Kevin Durant, easy money sniper, AKA the Slim Reaper. And at that time in his rookie season, KD said, I'm not ready to meet Jay-Z. 35 Ventures is the big umbrella and it's KD and Rich. And that's aside from the media arm. Welcome to the MVP podcast, where we explore the business of sports. My name is Courtney. And I'm Jimmy. And on this episode, we are going to bring you the unofficial business biography of the Kevin Durant. I'm Jimmy, about to jump in there. Let's get it. I'm excited right? about this episode because this is the first time where we're doing a deep dive into an athlete who is a current athlete. Because, you know, most athletes start their business ventures and their entrepreneurship ventures after their career. But things are starting to change. Because of social media, because of the internet, because of the access to information and on the large lumps of money that a lot of athletes are making, they're now starting to build their brands a lot bigger than ever. Not only are they celebrities, but now they're entrepreneurs and investors. And a lot of them are very financially savvy, investing in a wide range of technology, sports, and just anything that they can use to multiply their money and build generational wealth. So today we're going to talk about none other than the future Hall of Famer, Kevin Durant. We're going to break down his entrepreneurial journey, his investing career outside of basketball. And just for people who don't know, let's just break down who Kevin Durant is. All right. So KD is one of the best scorers of all time. But before we get into the specifics, Let's just talk about what they call him. Kevin Durant, easy money sniper, AKA the Slim Reaper. And matter of fact, when they asked him why they call, why he calls himself the Slim Reaper, first of all, he's almost seven feet tall. He's like six foot 11. And he says he does his best work at night. So that's why he goes by the Slim Reaper. This guy has been known to cause problems for opposing defenses. For many years, he's 35 years old, born September 29th, 1988 in Washington, D.C., and he wears number 35 in honor of an AAU coach that he had that was murdered when he was 35. So KD is a thoughtful guy from a very young age. You know, when you're seven feet tall, basically, it's easy to stand out. And he had a growth spurt as a young kid, um, was highly toted as a high school recruit. He ended up going to Texas. He played one season at Texas, only one season, and his jersey is retired for the Longhorns. That goes to show what kind of impact he had while he was there. He was a second overall pick in 2007 to the Seattle Supersonics. After playing his rookie year, Seattle Supersonics moved to Oklahoma City in 2008, and that's where he really started to make his name. He played alongside the likes of a young Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Sergi Baca. The team was outstanding and they really made some waves, but they never won a championship on that team. So he did end up leaving. Eventually, he went on to the Golden State Warriors where he would win back-to-back -back championships. He went to Brooklyn and then he is currently with the Phoenix Suns. Now, if we're going to round out his NBA resume, just so people know who we're dealing with, this is not some guy who's just in the NBA and happened to be an investor. He is unquestionably one of the best basketball players who has ever been in the association. He is 10th all time in the NBA in scoring as of this recording. 
two-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP. He is the most he was the most valuable player in the league in 2014, 13-time All-Star. He was a rookie of the year in 08, uh four-time scoring champion. He was on the NBA 75th anniversary team. That means he's a top 75 player of all time. Uh, and I mean, these are just some of his accolades. You know, if you go back to high school, he was all American, McDonald's all American. You could talk about what he did in college, but this guy put him in any room and he is likely the best basketball player that anybody has ever seen play next to a small handful of guys. His resume speaks for itself. So, Knowing what he's accomplished on the court, that, that's been covered, that's been documented to nauseum. But today we want to unpack this guy and the unbelievable success that he's had as an entrepreneur and as a businessman. But that story comes in about, I'd say, three phases. So there's early in his career, it's kind of like what we talked about, and we'll get into that a little bit, his, his journey through his different representation that he's had. Um, cause he's had a couple of different agents that he's worked with. And then eventually the phase two of his career is when he meets a guy named Rich Kleiman and then how that transforms his, his view of things and what he wants to do. And when he moves to golden state, because golden state is, uh, that's another weird way, another nickname for California. And we know that Silicon Valley is in California in that, uh, Bay area, so there's a lot of technology companies. There's a lot of access to different types of people and different environments, different rooms you can get in when you're in that area and how him meeting Rich and then moving to Golden State also started him down this journey a little bit more or accelerated it. And then the third phase of his entrepreneurial career is when him and Rich start working together and they build 35 Ventures. So that's the path we're going to go down today, but we'll just start out like early in his career, I think that's a good place to start. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a super important place to start because one thing you got to understand is KD is very accomplished on the court, but a lot of people have accomplished significant things on the court. It's your representation, your agent, the people you surround yourself with that actually set they elevate your game off the court because nobody's going to shoot the basketball as well as KD but the people who are going to manage his business ventures his his career off the court that is super important i think where we're starting right now with his representation keep in mind that some of the people that we're going to mention are you know key people in the industry so I think when you're listening to this, as Courtney breaks down this story, is just think of some of the parallels. Think of some of the other athletes that you've heard of who are doing really big things, but might not be doing the same, um, might not be making the same impact off the court. So I think we start with, uh, where should we start with this one? Has his, in his rookie career? Yeah, because I think it, this is really going to illustrate uh, a key transition where Kevin Durant goes from being um, a high earner to being somebody who is wealthy, mm. right? Because there's there's people who have a job that pays them a lot of money, and then there's people who have assets that are worth a lot of money and that produce cash flow or that are um, they can sell and they can make large capital gains. And I think that that transition is important to examine because we're not just doing this to, I mean, it is interesting, but there's also insights to draw here. So as a rookie, KD signed with a Seattle-based agent named Aaron Goodwin. Okay, now Goodwin Sports Management 
it's a it's a good firm, whatever. Um, they got a lot of stuff done for KD, and these were traditional things as somebody who ended up being the rookie of the year, you would expect them to have. You know, at the time that he left Goodwin Sports Management, he was the eighth highest earner in the NBA, $24.5 million contract he had. He also had a seven-year, $60 million uh, endorsement deal with Nike. And his other sponsorships included Gatorade, Sprint, Degree Men, Skull Candy, Panini America. So huge brand names that he was an ambassador for. And Aaron Goodwin helped him set that kind of stuff up. But when it came time in 2012, after a good four years of being with Goodwin Sports Management, KD in an interview said that, you know, he appreciated what they had done for him, but uh, he felt like he had just outgrown him a little bit and it was time for him to move on. And I think that was a sign where KD was realizing that I was going to get these endorsements whether I had this guy representing me or if I had any Joe Schmo on the street representing me. As long as you kind of knew the game, uh, you knew representation, you knew management, you had contacts in the industry, you were going to be able to sell Kevin Durant Kevin Durant as a brand because he was so successful on the court, but knowing that his potential was higher than that, he wanted to go to somewhere where he was going to capitalize on his potential. Potential is such a dangerous word. You don't want to just, you know, seven years, 60 million sounds great, but that's not anything that hasn't been done before. So for KD, he's thinking like, I want more. So in 2012, KD signs with a guy named Rob Palinka. And he had an agency that's called Landmark Sports. Now, Rob Palinka was famous because he previously had managed Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And Kobe being Bryant is top three basketball players of all time, no matter who you ask, if they like him or not. So KD was looking for somebody who knew what to do with a little bit more star power. Now, for what it's worth, that relationship only lasted for one year. And uh, there's no real reason documented publicly that says why or why not, but it might trickle down to uh, a run-in that KD had back in 2008, okay? So if we rewind back to his rookie season, KD, who grew up in Washington, D.C., was friends with another guy, a rap artist named Wale, okay? Mm. Wale was signed to Rock Nation, and he had a manager named Rich Kleiman. Now, Rich Kleiman was also manager for uh, Meek Mill. He was a manager for uh, other people as well. But through that relationship with Wale, Rich was able, who, who he's a basketball fan. It's not like he didn't know who Kevin Durant was. Uh, he, was he had been watching his college career and he knew that KD was going to this Jay-Z concert, so he had Wale set them up with a meeting. So not like a official meeting, but set them up to meet each other type of thing. And so Rich and KD initially met at a Jay-Z concert in 2008. And at that time, Rich Kleiman was, the v was a VP at Rock Nation. So he was a pretty senior guy. He had been managing artists. And eventually, as Rock Nation began to grow and expand, which Rock Nation was a, a management and representation agency that's owned by Jay-Z. They started out doing musicians and then they expanded to do athletes and they started with certain sports and then they expanded their portfolio. Now today they have 
a, a slew of athletes, international athletes from soccer, boxing, basketball, football. They have a ton. But in 2008, Rich was like, yo, um, I know who you are. Nice to meet you. We got friends in common. I want to introduce you to Jay-Z. And believe it or not, at that time in his rookie season, KD said, I'm not ready to meet Jay-Z, so I appreciate it, but I just want to focus on basketball right now. And so that was in 2008. He was with Aaron Goodwin, stayed with Aaron Goodwin till 2012, left in 2012, signed with Rob Palinka, And then in 2013, it comes full circle five years later, and KD becomes the first NBA player to sign with Rock Nation. Now, here's the crazy thing. At that time, Jay-Z, being the entrepreneur that he was, actually went out and got certified as an NBPA agent like registered with the MBPA, the National Basketball Players Association. He got certified to be a, a player representative. And Sean Carter, Jay-Z, signed Kevin Durant's paperwork himself as the agent, which is something that not a lot of people knew. And so when they asked him in the interview, Jay-Z, like, you know, what's it like signing a guy like Kevin Durant? The quote was, he has a 90.5 free throw shooting rate, the youngest player in NBA history to join the 50-40-90 club, a giving individual, and a legend in the making. What more can I say? <laughs> that, so, I mean, that's a, that's an inside joke for the Jay-Z fans, but, like, this guy is recognized by greatness. You know, they say real, recognized real, but he was the first player to sign from all those hundreds that they've had now, he was the first basketball player that signed with Rock Nation. And then once he got into Rock Nation in 2013, that's when his relationship with Rich Kleiman really started to accelerate. But how is that for a, a, a journey in the first five years of his career? Yeah, it's one thing I can pick out is that Kevin Durant is very self-aware. To deny meeting Jay-Z, one of which... I know has to be one of his biggest, biggest idols growing up. Like anybody in this age range of being, you know, he's 35 now. So at that time, it was probably, you know, 19, 20. Jay-Z is literally one of the biggest icons within the community. You want to meet Jay-Z. But for him to say, you know what, not right now. I want to focus on basketball. Let's me know that he's laser focused. He is the sniper and he is really really focused on his target. Another thing that I want to know that I want to bring out from this too, is that like, he knows what his brand power is. Cause he said like, nah, bro, like, you know what? Yeah. All of these brand endorsements, love it. Probably was going to get this anyways. Signs with one of the, arguably one of the biggest agents at the time, Rob Palenka. And is like, nah, this still ain't enough. Like I need more. And so he goes with, essentially what you could call a startup agency in sports, which with rock nation becomes the first athlete and signs with Jay-Z. You can tell that he's, he's forward thinking he's developing some sort of a foresight, which we'll talk about later when, it, when he starts investing his money, but he's developing some sort of a foresight that's letting him let that's putting him on and saying, you know what the traditional path of, these agents that just represent me and they sign me with deals that they were going to get with their connections anyways, this isn't enough. I need somebody who's going to expand my brand outside of sports and who other than Jigga man, I'm not a businessman. I'm the business man. Who, who other than that guy to sign with? 
So I think right here you can tell that KD, he's not only gifted as an athlete, but he's he's starting to build his knowledge outside of the sports realm. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into it more, but KD is a very smart person, and no matter who is talking about him, if it's in an interview that I've I've listened to and doing more research or just in passing, like everybody is astonished at how good he is how sharp his business acumen is in addition to how good he is at basketball. So <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, man, this guy is unreal and he's unreal at something else that is like really hard to do as well. So it's just, it's just funny, man, that you could, uh, you can't contain greatness. Like if you're meant to be phenomenal, it's just going to spill out into all the different areas of your life. Um, so now Let's just talk about the next phase of his life. So he's at Rock Nation. Now, Rock Nation, lots of different people there. But um, he's working primarily, he's working with Jay-Z. But Jay-Z, you know, he's a busy guy. So he starts working with Rich. And him and Rich get a, start building this relationship over time. And so he stays at Rock Nation 2013, 2014, 2015. But then during that time is also when... Kevin Durant, he, you know, he started to switch teams and he's going to, um, then he's going to, to play for the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. And once he's out there in the Bay Area, then it's starting to, things are starting to change because in 2016, the year when he actually went to Golden State, is the same year that him and Rich Kleiman decided that they were going to start this brand new company. That's called 35 Ventures. So in 2016, they started. KD is no longer on Rock Nation. He signs to 35 Ventures by himself, basically underneath of Rich Kleiman. And Rich has only one client, and that's KD. So they're like partners in this thing. And if you even look at uh, Hoops Hype and they rank all of the different NBA agents, you can see the top agent, Jeff Swartz, he has 39 players on his roster that he manages. Uh, Rich Paul, he has 33 players on his roster, which he manages. These are the top two agents by total salaries that they've negotiated. Rich Paul has negotiated $503 million worth of salaries for those 33 players. Okay. If you scroll all the way down not all the way down, but you see uh, number 47 on the list is Rich Kleiman. He is the only person on this entire list of this top 50 who only has one client. And that one client has a, a salary worth $47.6 million uh, as of this season. Okay, so it might have been a good choice to go with Rich Kleiman because not only did he get away from the agency that had a divided attention, we talked about how he signed with Jay-Z, but then he ended up working with other people because Jay-Z is a very busy guy. He went somewhere where it was him and his partner and they could really spend a lot of time focused on how do we build Kevin Durant's brand to the mm -hmm. highest that could be. So if you go back to the original part of the, the path, he had a guy who was kind of, you know, he was getting him great deals, 
but his his initial feeling was how could we do more and then he ends up scratching his own itch and and starting up 35v 35 ventures and that becomes one of the best decisions he makes on the court because now his salary is up there with the highest in the nba yeah and 35 ventures becomes a lot more than just an agency it's a multifaceted sports and media and entertainment company yeah and so and it's the holding company for many other companies that kd would go on to start and i think this is a good time to talk a little bit about rich Kleiman because although this episode is not about him we could do an episode about him but I think it's important to understand that Rich Kleiman was an entrepreneur at heart. Like he he was an agent and a manager, but he always wanted to build something outside of just managing athletes or at, well, like at first he was managing um, entertainment, like DJs, musicians. He had his own studio. Like this guy was a hustler at heart. And when he had the opportunity to represent KD, it was always, what can we do more than just sports? He wanted to build something that was bigger than just being an agency, that was bigger than just being a manager. And through his relationships and his connections that he made through with KD, but when they went to Golden State, opening a lot of those doors is what inspired them to now start 35 Venture. Do you do you remember the story about this? About how they came up with 35 Venture? No, tell me this one. I must I must have forgot this one. So Essentially, what happened was when KD went to Golden State, before he even played a game for Golden State, uh, one of the, uh, maybe the owner, Steve Stout, was mm -hmm. like, yo, we're going to throw a, a party for KD. Steve Stout is the guy from United Masters, right? He's the music producer, music executive who... Um, yeah, I know who Steve Stout is. Yeah. He's a he's a boss in his own right. Yeah, so they threw a party at uh, Ben Harwitz's house. I don't even know these names, but I started doing a little bit of Google, and a lot of these guys are heavy hitters in Silicon Valley, heavy hitters within the industry, whether it's, it's entertainment, tech, uh, and um, angel investing. Like these guys are the guys. So, uh, KD. Oh my god, bro. Ben Horowitz? Yep. He's the other half of Andreessen Horowitz, which is A16Z, right? That's oh my the, that's a Z. That's the venture capital investment firm, yeah. period. So, yeah, he's like triple O, triple O, triple O G uh, investor in Silicon Valley. But so, so, so take this in, take this in. <laughs> they meet ben another Horowitz. guy named Ron Conaway. I don't know if you want to Google that guy, but apparently he's the God of angel investing. So they meet this guy and we don't know what conversations were had in this, this house party, but essentially when rich Kleiman left this house party, he was like, yo, I need to know everything there is about investing. And so he starts Googling terms about investing. He starts shaking hands, having meetings with a lot of these guys, um, angel, the angel investing industry. And that's when they decide, yo, we need to start something. We need to build something. They don't tell us. He, he hasn't shared. I haven't seen any of the research or in my research, how they came up with the name 35 Ventures. But this is where their investment portfolio or this is where investing in businesses, that idea was sparked. Yeah. So to come back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, those agents might have been getting him the deals, 
they might have been getting him deals that he was going to get regardless, but they weren't expanding his horizon. They weren't expanding. They weren't scratching the itch that he wanted to scratch, which was how do I build outside of sports? And like you said, Silicon Valley, California, that's the place to go if you want to rub shoulders and be exposed to tech, be exposed to angel investing at a high level. That's essentially what happened with KD when he went on to go win his two championships with the likes of Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson on those guys. He also was exposed to a whole new world in uh, investment. Yeah, and that 35 coming back, you know, 35 was the jersey number because of that AAU coach, right? And so everything is intentional and everything means something to this guy. But just talking about the relationship with Steve Stout, he's a music executive, Rich Clymans, he was in the music business. That relationship is there. Steve Stout is an old head. He's putting on the young guy and he's saying, come here, meet these people. You're new here, but in this place, this is what we do. And these are the things we talk about. Now he's in the room and he's seeing people who've made a lot of money and they're saying, hey man, we made a lot of money once, but that money, we didn't spend it. We flipped it into other things so that we could have a different type of wealth. And now I'm looking at... um, uh. Conway here and Ron Conway some of his investments include Airbnb Facebook Google Reddit and we'll just stop right there okay? oh my gosh so he's yeah he is one of the uh the OGs and I mean Ben Horowitz that that if you ever heard of A16Z if you haven't look them up and you'll understand the rooms that he was in and how inspired he must have felt because that would be similar to a young AAU basketball player going to NBA All-Star Weekend and then being in a room and having a chance to talk to all the NBA All-Stars. Mm -hmm. But you were talking to the entrepreneurial All-Stars. So the mere exposure to the people who do this for a living and the people who found this stuff to be normal to them, like it's normal to get on a cap table. It's normal to be pre-seed and discussing um, you know, EBITDA margins and those kinds of things. Like you're not having those discussions in Washington, D.C., if you're still hanging out with the people you grew up with, unless you're tapped into that scene in Washington. So for KD to go to the Bay Area, that's like the stars aligning where he had the right representation, the right network. He was in the right area and he had the money to do something about it. So that brings us to the third leg of the journey. And that's when 35V really starts to take off. And they don't just settle on investing in, you know, uh, private companies or public companies. They also invest in sports teams. They have philanthropy that they do. So here's just a breakdown of what 35V looks like today. They have 35 Ventures is the big umbrella, okay? And it's KD and Rich are the main people there, but they have a staff who work with them as well. They have marketing people, they have uh, managers, they have all different kinds of people who do different things. They have a person who's in charge of the public stocks that they invest in. And he's invested in some private companies who have gone public and he's had a liquidity event with a couple of those ones. So he has people who manage his public stock portfolio, okay? He has people who manage his venture investments, okay? He has people who deal with only the private equity things. Then he has a philanthropy arm. He owns an AAU team that's called Team Durant. He also has the Durant Family Foundation. And he also has the Durant Center, which is basically like a school, 
Okay. So there's the philanthropy arm, there's a private investing, there's a public investing. And he has different people who sit at the heads of all of these organizations and manage those things as if they're their own entity. And that's aside from the media arm, because being a guy who is in the public face a lot and, and he is so publicized, he knows that he can leverage his visibility to give all the rest of his brands uh, kind of like that flywheel effect to get them up off of the ground and get them going. Because then brands, not only do brands want to work directly with KD, but brands want to work with the companies that are affiliated with Kevin Durant. Yeah. So um, before we go into the exact investments that he has, we'll talk about, you want to talk about uh, the media arm that he built, which is kind of, I think, the, I think would, I'd argue that it's almost at the heart of 35V because as that media empire grows, I feel like he's he's able to develop something that is kind of bigger than himself as in terms of a brand. But what do you think? Would you rather talk about the investments or would you rather talk about um, how he's kind of transitioning his brand power into a different entity? Yeah. So like all full course meals, we want to start with the appetizer. And I mm. think we'll start with the investments first because... These are kind of looking back, no brainers. Like we'll, we'll talk about real quick. One of the first major investments that KD and 35 Ventures invested in was Postmates. If you know Uber, you know what Postmates does. They're a food delivery service. They connect customers with local restaurants and stores. And according to Forbes, they, KD invested approximately a million dollars in 2016. We all know the exact amount. But Postmates was acquired by Uber in 2020 for $2.65 billion. That's almost a 15x return for 35 ventures. So if he invested a million dollars approximately, they pulled out 15 million once that, once that liquidity event happened. All right, we got Coinbase. Everybody knows Coinbase. If you're in the, if you're here or under a rock in 2020, you know that. Crypto was going crazy. Coinbase was going crazy at the time. But KD invested in crypto or in Coinbase in 2017 before things went crazy. So he was part of the Series D. And they've had a 20x return on this investment. In 2023, Coinbase was valued at $32 billion. So they have a $32 billion market cap at this point. So if he had liquidated Lots of money. All right. They, they yeah, at one so, point were valued at a hundred billion dollars. That's, yeah, that's crazy, crazy numbers. That's crazy. So, okay. This is a break. A couple of things down first. People might think, okay, they're valued at 32 billion. Um, how does that math work out? This is just, you know, so we're all on the same page. If the company is valued at $1.6 billion when he invested his uh, initial money, and then the total size of the company grew to uh, 32 billion that right there is 20x. So whatever percentage you invested also grows at the same rate. That's how you get the 20x. And to to say what is Series D? Usually, when a company is started up, they're gonna have you know very 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 early investors. That's gonna be like their friends and their family that are just gonna pitch in like you know ten twenty thousand dollars here or there to get them up off the ground. Then you're gonna have like some angel investors that are people who are gonna give you money before you even have a prototype for your product. Then you're gonna have the venture investors who are gonna start coming in, okay? So then you're gonna have things such as uh, your series A, 
The Series A is like, okay, we have a prototype, but we don't necessarily have product market fit, but we have this thing and we think it can do this because the market is this size. And then people are like, okay, I'll give you some money. This is going to be risky because we don't even know if the market wants to take your product or not. So investing in Series D is something that people will call probably late stage, right? It's still a private company, but the company is more proven by that point. Like by that point in Series D, they already have customers. They already have product market fit. They already have proof of concept, but they are not public at that point. So they're raising more money because maybe they have to grow and they're reinvesting more capital than they actually have. So they go to outside investors and say, this thing works. We just need to get it to the masses. So give us some more money. So he invested in Coinbase in 2017. Um, they were raising $100 million at a $1.6 billion valuation. So he invested and he got that 20x. Now, Jimmy, I think you did some research on how what was the check size that 35V typically makes when they invest. Do you remember yeah. those numbers? So they're going to invest anywhere from half a million to a million dollars on most of their initial investments. But there have been some where they've invested way more than that. But typically, they're going to invest about a million dollars. Sometimes it could be 250000 It really depends. But they've had some check sizes that have gone up to $300 million. So you can million, check- Three million, three million. Sorry, that's say $300 million? Imagine. They might as well buy know. the whole company. They might as well just buy the whole company at that point. But they've, they've had checks that go up to $3 million. And if you want to fact check me, you can go to Yahoo Sports on that one. Um, and I'm just going to spitball quickly a couple of other investments that they've done. Uh, Skydio, which is a drone company uh, that right now is, is working on autonomous flying machines. Uh, Whoop, which is a wearable fitness tracker. Weed Maps, which is an e-commerce platform for cannabis consumption. NBA Top Shot, which is NFT uh, an NFT company that sells the, uh, video highlights. They've invested in Major League Pickleball. So we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the sports investments that KD has made. Acorns, which is a investment platform. Jet Smarter, Robinhood. So these are just a handful of investments that 35 Ventures has invested in. But they hold positions or have invested in at least 80 plus companies. So these are just some of the ones that we could pull out that were major names that we could talk about uh, on this podcast episode today. Now, I think we got to jump into the media part because like you said earlier, this is, I would say the central figure of what 35 Ventures does. Now, when I was listening to a couple of podcast episodes from Rich Kleiman and doing a little bit of research, they actually have two media arms. There's the media arm that's underneath 35 Ventures and they invest in, they create content like uh, documentaries. They create content like uh, sports shows. These are some things that you'll be able to find on like Netflix. You'll be able to find on, you know, Amazon Prime. But then they have Boardroom. Now Boardroom, I'm going to let you do the deep dive on this one because I know you're going to, you're going to kill this one for sure. But Boardroom essentially started off as a podcast and has now grown into what many would call, and Rich Kleiman still backs, he, he jumps back and forth on this one. He calls it a platform. Some, put it, some people call it a media agency or a content engine, whatever you want to call it, media network, you want to call it a platform. What these guys are doing at Boardroom is absolutely phenomenal. So Courtney, do you want to take us into this uh, deep dive on Boardroom? Yeah. So 
2019, 35 Ventures launched Boardroom, and it was intended initially to be a six-episode video series that was on ESPN+, Plus, which was their OTA streaming platform for ESPN, um, and or OTT, not OTA, OTT, over the top, like uh, on demand, you could go online and check out ESPN+, Plus, whatever. It's like not on cable. Uh, so they had a six-episode video series, and they wanted to go 50-50 with ESPN on this. They had the concept, they had the guests, they had the network, they had all that kind of stuff. But ESPN was not really in the business of going 50-50 with people. They're like, yo, let us just buy the rights for this from you and we can do it. Like, we like what you're doing, but this is how we do business. So they said, okay, cool. Um, they started a podcast that was really about how basketball brought them, meaning KD, and Rich, how basketball brought them to Silicon Valley. And it was a platform that they created to tell the story of the non-traditional path that Rich and Katie took to get into entrepreneurship and investing. And that was something similar to um, like the barbershop that LeBron James and Maverick Carter have. And similar to how LeBron James has a production company, like they, they're kind of born out of the same thing. They wanted to appeal to the same person who was going into the store and buying KD's shoes, the same person who was buying the ticket to come watch KD play, who was buying the jersey. They wanted to appeal to that same demographic with the entrepreneurial stuff because they saw the impact that going to Silicon Valley and being in those rooms with the Ben Horowitz and uh, the Ron Conways, how that impacted them, how it inspired them, how it put them on a whole different tra track on life, a different path. So they wanted to start conversations about those kinds of things, about business, and make a podcast about it. So the guests that they had on there were crazy. It was like LeBron James, Maverick Carter, Andre Iguodala, who was just elected to be the, the president of the NBA Players Association, who was also a phenomenal investor himself. Jack Dorsey, who was the founder of Twitter and of Square. Um, CJ McCollum, who also has over 40 investments himself, Brianna Stewart, one of the greatest in the WNBA, um, all very savvy business people who are in the sports world. And this was hosted by Rich Kleiman and Jay Williams, who, if people know Jay Williams, played in the NBA. Now he's an analyst and he's very involved. So these are sports people talking about business. It was very successful, but after it really got rolling, it went from being a podcast called boardroom to being uh, a media network that really sits at the intersection of sports, entertainment, business, and culture. That's how they describe it today. So as of right now, the boardroom has newsletters, a website, podcasts, social media properties, and they do video series. They also do live conferences, right? And the way that they use this is that you can, same way how people sponsor a podcast, same way how people do you know, sponsored posts or series on their, through their social channels, they go to brands and they work with brands and the brands will say, okay, yes, I want to, the same way how he had a seven year, $60 million deal when he was with Aaron Goodwin for Nike, they said they wanted to work with KD. Now brands can say, I want to work with KD directly. I want to work with boardroom directly, or I want to do a little bit of both. They've created another asset, another property, another entity for companies to come and do business with because the boardroom has its own reach 
that lives outside of the life of KD, but it's so closely affiliated with him. He's one of the main marketing minds behind it. Like if you ask the people who work there, um, they'll, they, they say all of them, like to a person that KD is a marketing genius. He's, he's not just a guy with a lot of money. He's a marketing genius. So all of the concepts and stuff, like him and Rich would throw ideas back and forth at each other. And then you go and follow boardroom and you'll see the kind of content they're putting out. That's coming out of KD's brain, right? So uh, brands work with boardroom to get more visibility. And that's the primary way that they're monetizing it is through sponsorship marketing. They also have some subscriptions and stuff. They also send, sell merch to a lesser extent, but that's more so... Um, a branding play and um, building their community, but they sell alignment with the audience that they're building. And so I encourage people go check out Boardroom on social media. Um, it's very similar to uh, front office sports or the athletic or athletic tribune or one of those kind of outlets where they'll do features on athletes in the game, they put out one um, late 2023 on Anthony Edwards, and it was a full editorial piece with photo shoots, with videos to complement. They put up billboards. And this is like a full-fledged media company that is really going right at, you know, the, the traditional ESPNs and the big conglomerates who used to tell these stories and drive those narratives. But now they understand that KD has so much reach that him and Rich can put together a machine that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those giants. And they really are doing it. I'd have to say they're doing it successfully. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, shout out LeBron, the GOAT, um, who really paved the way. I'm going to say that every time I get a chance to. But who really <laughs> paved the way, uh, starting with Undisputed. Um, or, sorry, not Undisputed, Uninterrupted. Um, starting with Uninterrupted. Starting with uh, Spring Hill Studio. Um, these These media companies production companies are ways that athletes have been now been able to take ownership of their storylines because they've always complained like oh the the media they don't they don't cover us properly they don't really understand us and with the advent of social media because lebron came up with social media and he's one of the better athletes to utilize social media to uplift his brand a lot of superstars now are taking that same approach and saying you know what we can start our own podcasts. We can start our own media companies. We can start our own production companies and tell our stories. There are a plethora of athletes right now, current NBA stars who are on podcasts who are doing their own podcasts. Now, KD doesn't have his own. Does he have his own his own podcast that he stars in or he features? Yeah, in? He had one called KD and uh, what was it called? I don't remember, but he did it for a while, but then he kind of got off of it. Rich had one that he was doing for a while, then he kind of got off of it. And then they have other people on the network who do them, right? So they, they, Katie is more one who will like tap in and participate. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't do it every single week, but he does like to be in front of the camera and do those kinds of things and be on the microphone. And he has a voice and he uses his voice. Um, I think back in the day, when you look at people like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan never really wanted to be a public figure who was speaking. He kind of just wanted to play ball. But the difference is that now in this generation, guys are and girls are using their platform now to accelerate other things. And I think when you own the media outlet, you control the narrative. So that lays into kind of the final pillar here, which is the investments that they've made into pro leagues and pro teams. They can be the media outlets that drive the narrative on those. So there is a couple of notable sports 
investments that 35V has made. Um, and starting in 2020, they bought 5% of the Philadelphia Union with the option to acquire an additional 5%. And the Philadelphia Union plays in Major League Soccer. They're actually a pretty good team. And the valuation currently sits at $575 million for that team. They also, in 2022, they got busy and they invested in Gotham FC of the National Women's Soccer League. And that that club is valued in 2023 at $48 million. They also invested in professional pickleball team and they invested in the Premier Lacrosse League. Now, just as an example, they did a feature on an event that they did to promote lacrosse in New York City on Boardroom. So you can see how they're they're making an investment, they believe in something, then they feature that thing to draw more attention to it so that they're able to kind of uh, be fully vertically integrated from, from a sports standpoint, which means the league, the team, the players, the media, the distribution and the consumption of that. They can, they're touching different parts of the entire value chain. And I think that is a savvy, savvy business move um, for, for guys who think they've identified undervalued sports properties and, and guys who have an, a real hunger to do good and to, you know, put money where money hasn't traditionally been. So uh, lacrosse, uh, women's, women's sports, and then I think in general, just getting on, getting in front of a wave that I feel like is about to really hit, which is like soccer in general. You can see that they're there. Um, these are smart investors, man. And I, I'm excited to see how these investments turn out. Not necessarily about how they cash out, but the sports ones in particular, I want to see how big can they grow the following for these teams and, and for these leagues. Yeah, I think one thing that is super interesting but also a key takeaway which we'll 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 dive into our key takeaways at the end here we'll we'll give a couple of uh mvp business awards uh to some of these investments but i think one of the key takeaways is that kd is leveraging um a tool that we almost all have access to build an audience which he's done through being one of the best athletes in the world and then building a business on top of that audience. And that's pretty much what every entrepreneur is trying to do now. In the world of internet, in the world of having internet, having social media and building newsletters, email lists, all these type of things, everyone is building an audience and then building a business on top of that audience. It makes business a lot easier. And kind of to what you were alluding to earlier is that if they're writing the media, they're generating the traffic, and then they're funneling that traffic into all of these sports um, assets, it's almost like printing money for them. If they own the assets and they're now generating traffic towards those assets, the, the valuation of those businesses can only go, go up. And I'm sure for KD, a lot of these aren't just about how much can I liquidate at the end of the day. He's got plenty of money. He's making investments that are going to create generational wealth, but also generational impact. Like mm. he, he's also, he's invested a lot in finance in FinTech, like significant amounts in FinTech that I was like, yo, I didn't even know that app 
was like a thing, but he's invested in those areas because he, you could tell that he's very, very passionate about educating people, but he's also very passionate about creating generational impact and creating generational wealth. So guys like KD, and I hope to do more of these and, 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 and look at, you know, LeBron James, look at Andre Iguodala, because there are guys who are not on the level of KD and LeBron in terms of accolades in the sports world in terms of like basketball accolades or soccer or football but they're making huge waves on the business front line so very excited to look into more of these let's uh let's 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 go into our business awards our mvp business awards where we just share a couple of thoughts that we had on some of these investments we're gonna do three of them rising star which is an investment that has high potential we're also going to do give away an all-star one, which is kind of like the Dennis Rodman Award. It's the most interesting business that um, KD has invested in. And then we're going to do a Hall of Fame investment, which is the best investment. Uh, this is the one that kind of puts the athlete in the financial Hall of Fame. So I'll start with the rising star. I think the investment that has the highest potential is boardroom. Mm -hmm. Boardroom, right now, media is king. If you can create content and you can market your content and get it to a wide range of people, you're generating traffic, you're generating an audience, you can build anything on top of that. The fact that KD and Rich Kleiman through Boardroom are developing huge, huge media assets, they can almost do anything they want. I know Rich Kleiman has specifically talked about the fact that anything that's a documentary or anything that's like a sports movie doesn't live under Boardroom, but the reality is, if they write one article piece on boardroom about any one of their uh, content pieces that they create, that's going to generate a huge amount of traffic. And that's only going to bring in more revenue, more dollars that they can now reinvest into other areas, whether that be sports or future investments once KD's playing time is over. So that's my rising star uh, boardroom. It's, it's hard to argue with that one when you see the power of, of media, especially when uh, these days, people are gravitating towards the on-demand content. They want things that are accessible when they want them, how they want them. And I think Kevin Durant has more than enough money to hold his breath until that gets to the size that he wants and he can focus on it. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is that he has a $300 million lifetime deal with Nike, which is $250 million over 10 years and then another $50 million when he retires. They've done 16 shoes up to this point with the 17th on the way. So he doesn't actually need this money. Like he can invest, you know, a little quarter million dollar check is not going to hurt him and he can put money into all of those things. But I think you can tell by the amount of effort that they're putting into building out boardroom that that really is his focal point. So um, I wouldn't argue with you there, but I would just kind of go slightly off the beaten path. I'd say overtime, which is like boardroom, but it's um, specifically as a sports media company that focuses on young athletes and fans. And they have an absolutely massive social media following. And I think um, if they find a way to leverage that and kind of build that underneath the boardroom umbrella and expand over time more, I think there's a lot of potential there. So that would be that would be my uh, highest potential investment would probably be over time. Okay. All right. Uh, what's going to be your all-star? Most interesting, the Dennis Rodman Award. I mean, there's, there's just so many things that he's invested in that I think are pretty interesting. 
Um, but I, I don't know enough about pickleball or lacrosse. So I would say the one that I'm personally most interested in, and I think I will actually keep up with is the investment in the NWSL because uh, we talked about it on here before the fandom is undeniable. There's a lot of people who are very excited about national women's soccer league. And I think when the world cup comes to North America in 26, I think that's going to lead to a lot more fans of the game being created and being ahead of that kind of thing. You know, they just did that new deal with CBS that took them from $1.5 million a year up to $60 million a year. That's going to trickle down to hit the valuations of these franchises. And I mean, uh, Gotham FC was valued at $48 million as of this recording compared to Philadelphia Union, that's 575. So we're talking about right there, that's at least a 10, 12x if those were to get to par. And um, when we look at NBA franchises or NHL franchises, uh, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs are about, you know, two and a half, three billion dollars. Um, NFL franchises are four, five, six billion dollars. So there's so much room to grow there. I think it's just really interesting time for soccer in America and for women's sports and to be women's soccer. Like, oh my goodness, I can't help but watch that one and and see what what are they going to do there? Um, it would be very interesting. But for you, what's most interesting? Yeah, I'm not too far off. Um, I think a lot of the sports investments are future sight. KD is seeing something that the regular investor might not be seeing, especially him being an athlete th himself. But what really interests me is the major pickleball league. Um, it's been going crazy. It's one of the fastest growing sports right now. My coworkers are talking about pickleball and they're like in their fifties, you know, borderline sixties. It's an interesting sport. I have never played it myself. I've seen variations of it played like paddle ball and all that stuff. Um, but pickleball in particular, fastest growing sport. Uh, it's very accessible. Even though some people say it's a rich person sport, you only really just need a, a small tennis court with a, with a paddle that's it, and a ball. Anybody could play this sport. So with the aging population, with people being more becoming more invested in this sport, I'm wondering, are we going to have a league where it's dominated by 40, 50 year olds because this is their pastime, kind of like golf? Is this something? And, you know, the older generation has a lot of money. So if they're going to invest into this league, if they're going to be investing into this sport and they're going to have a high viewership Maybe ticket sales are going to be a lot more expensive because of the type of um, demographic that it attracts. This might be a super interesting investment. So I'm super interested in major uh, major league pickleball and what they're going to be doing uh, going down the line. I think this is this is an area where I'm like, Katie, what are you thinking with this investment? Clearly, he's tapped in with the right people because I mean, just based on some of the investments that he's made in the past, they have been real big winners. So I know for sure that this has been a well thought out investment. And just looking at the demographics right now, they've got uh, eight teams, 32 players in 2022. And I I just see growth for that, for that type of a league. And um, I think that the demographics that watches that sport is high earners. So the, it's an interesting opportunity uh, for a league like that. Man, um, you, I can't, you, I, I can't disagree, but I just got to see, I got to see a game on TV, man. Yeah. I, 
if pickleball is interesting on TV, then I'm with you. And if it's boring, then I'm gonna just stick to tennis because tennis is an amazing sport to watch because it's so hard. Yeah. I know pickleball is fun to play, but I have to see how good the best athletes in the world are at pickleball before I'm all mm -hmm. the way bought in. I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. That's why it's my Dennis Rodman award. <laughs> all right. Moving into the hall of fame award, best investment. Um, this is what put, put KD personally for me in the financial hall of fame. And that might be different for any one of you guys that's listening right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to have to go Coinbase. It gotta be. It's it absolutely has to be Coinbase. To be Coinbase. There's, there's something to say about somebody who invests in something in the hype of it. Katie's got a plethora of money that he could throw at something. He could have easily made maybe 5X, 10X, throwing money at Coinbase when it was going crazy during the pandemic and everybody and their mama was investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever it might be. But he got in at 2017. At that time, there was a little buzz about crypto, but it wasn't the 2020, 2021 buzz. Well, yeah, in 2017, there was a bull run. And at the Pico top, Bitcoin did hit 25K in 2017, which was a previous all-time high before the pandemic. Now, as of this recording, Bitcoin says if like, I don't even know. That was like 25K Canadian. So mm. I don't know what that is in American. Um, somebody could do the, do the translation for me. But as of right now, it's like approaching 60K Canadian. Should I translate that right now? Bitcoin price 2017. Let me put that in USD. I'm sure you do it for 2017 because even the Canadian dollar be kind of it be moving kind of mucky sometimes. Okay, the high in 2017 was 19,650 USD, mm -hmm. and today it's at 43. So it's you know just over double since then, and that's just Bitcoin itself. But I'm just saying that to say that Coinbase was ahead of that hitting the public zeitgeist where like your grandma knew about what yeah. all this crypto stuff was. Now, the reason why I think that Coinbase is going to be the best investment that he ever makes is because one, at today's valuations, it's still a 20X uh, market cap. Let me see. What's coin market cap as of today? It's still up there. It's huge. Um, and I think that crypto is not necessarily going away. It's just not people are people are not selling their house to buy Bitcoin right now. Yeah. There's gonna there's like ETFs coming out and all this other kind of stuff. And I think even if it stays flat from here on out, you know, to invest in something that returns you 20x your money, I don't know a lot of people who've invested in things that have doubled their money. But that's kind of how venture investing goes, is that you will invest in 10 things, um, seven will lose money one or two will break even and one will hit it big and make up for all of the rest. So yeah. I think he, he found one. And um, as of today, literally as of this recording, $44 billion market cap on Coinbase. So, I mean, if he didn't sell it all, which I don't think he needed to, he might've, um, he's up big. And so yeah, cheers, cheers to you, my friend. I think you're up close to 30 X on that investment. Yeah, hundred percent. We 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 know that you know the likes of LeBron James, billionaire, 
I think that's pretty much stamped in stone billionaire. But by the time he ends his career, he will be a billionaire because we know like with his Nike deals and all and all of his endorsements and all of his businesses, he'll be stamped in stone as a billionaire athlete. Yeah, his net worth is over one billion. Yeah. KD is next up. KD has to be probably second or third on the way of current athletes who will be worth a billion dollars by the end of their playing career. I know there's there's somebody we we will have to break down eventually um, who who could be up there too because he's also received a lifetime deal like Steph Curry, um, and then again we've talked about we've mentioned in passing like the guys like Igudala who are doing big things outside of sports, but KD for sure. When we're talking about sports Hall of Fame, sports investment Hall of Fame, KD's definitely second on that list right now. I, I would have to say just based on the outside looking in. Yeah, so the um, just for the record, all-time earnings leaders, you got Tiger Woods, 1.7 bill, Cristiano Ronaldo, 1.24 bill, LeBron James, 1.16 bill, Leo Messi, 1.15 bill, Roger Federer, 1.09 billion. So, oh, and Floyd Mayweather, 1.08 billion. So that's that's a heck of a group, and you know I think KD will be a part of that one day. So looking back on this whole journey, what are what are your biggest takeaways from this one? What are the lessons that you learned if you had to distill this down and looked at the unofficial business biography of Kevin Durant? I think there's two takeaways. One takeaway is for you know the zero point zero 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 one percent type of guys. Like when you're gonna be a phenom, when you're gonna be a legend. I think you got to really understand that like you're different. And so you have to put yourself around people who are going to be able to help you make a difference because KD, he's a legend and he's been, he's, he's been one of the best players doing it for a long time now, but a regular agent wasn't going to help him build what he's building right now. And so he had to get around somebody who wasn't just going to see a legendary basketball player. They were also going to see a legendary entrepreneur in him. So for those 0.0001% guys, I'm, I'm talking to guys who are like straight A students, like never get anything less than an A. I'm talking about the people who in, in sports are like top of the top, like winning awards. And maybe your agent's only getting you basic deals. Like know that you are a legend but get yourself around somebody who is going to elevate you outside of being a legend within that small sphere. Now for, for Hold us, Greg, you, yeah, no, sorry. I, I, I have a hard disagree. I have a hard oh, disagree. Okay. Yeah. I don't think okay, that hold is, on, hold on. I don't think that's a rule reserved for one no, point. No, you didn't let me finish. You, yeah. Finish. You I said I have the, two takeaways. Oh, okay. I have two takeaways. That's so for the legend with, guys. For us average guys, you know, I was an average student in school. I know my capabilities when it comes to certain areas. For me now, um, this is a device that I would take from learning from Kate from Katie's journey is I got to get around the legendary guys, the guys that have the the mindset that is I'm not uh, I'm not settled with being at this place that I'm at right now. So the Rich Climans of the world. Rich Climans himself said he's not the most smartest guy in the room, but he goes into the room where the smartest guy is and he starts having conversations and asking those questions. When he talked about his journey going to Golden State, 
and being in those rooms with those investors, he was like, I didn't know what EBITDA was. I didn't know what a series D, series C, series B, series A was. He was learning all of those things from scratch, but he is the guy for KD who is spearheading this journey for him with 35 ventures. And I think for the average guy, you want to be around people like Rich Kleiman, who's willing to go into a room where he might not be the smartest. And you are also that person willing to go into that room who might not be the smartest, but you're going to ask every question. You're going to try and understand everything there there is that you can't understand because that's what's going to make the difference between the person who is average that puts out average results and the person who is average that puts out exponential results. The difference between those two people are the people, the, the average guy that puts out exponential results is going to go into a room where they feel like they don't belong, but they're going to put themselves in a situation to glean and learn as much information and knowledge and then put it into practice. And that, the reason why I have to separate those two is because for, for those legendary guys, it might be hard to do that sometimes because you're in your own world. You feel like you know everything. You feel like you can accomplish everything, but you still need somebody to kind of help you break out into a different area. But for the average people, sometimes you feel like you don't want to go into those rooms, but those are the best rooms for you to really sharpen out your skills. So those are my two takeaways. Get around the right people, essentially, in a long uh, winded way of putting that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it can all be boiled down to if the people around you aren't elevating you, then you need to be around different people. And that kind of sums up both of those ones that you're saying, because yeah, if I have an agent and this was even the rule in in the CFL, I'm pretty sure it'd be the same in other leagues. Like if I had no agent, I'm going to get the league minimum at least. So the agent can only get paid on what they negotiate above minimum for you. And so you got to approach your life that way. If somebody is not adding the value to you, if you could do this all by yourself, then you need to find other people who can help add value to the value you're bringing. Um, that's something that like I've heard around just in the organization I'm in is like add value to value. And so when you go in those rooms, yeah, you're not going to be able to tell them about the ins and outs of venture investing your first time around, but you're going to be able to bring different value to that room. That's a perspective as a young kid from DC who just won rookie of the year and played four years in Oklahoma city on a franchise that was just starting from the ground up. And you were going through seeing like what that was like in the inaugural season. And, and you're going into a room with these other guys who've never played sports at a high level. And they're asking about what's it like to build a team culture? What's it like to lead people through adversity? What's it like? Like you have to know, first of all, what's your value. Mm then you can go in a room and say like, it's okay for me to not know everything you know because you don't know everything I know. And so I have the humility and the audacity to ask questions because the reason I'm here is not the reason you're here and that's cool, but that's the reason why we like each other. And so obviously not every room is a welcoming one, but when you have a sponsor like a Steve Stout who's going to put you on, you have to run to every one of those opportunities. You never know what's going to happen. Imagine they didn't go to that dinner party. Like oh. the, the domino effect of being around the right people because the stuff that they do that is normal to them is extraordinary to you if it's not your everyday situation. And so I'd say, you know, be around people that's giving you positive peer pressure, forcing you to level up and, and just find your way into those rooms and make that normal. And then I, I think the one that is obvious is that money earned is great, 
but money that comes from assets is way better. And so taking your, your money and putting it to work for you so that it's not lazy, like lazy money is, is, is soon forgotten. It's soon gone, bro. It's not yours forever. Um, so you got to put it to work. And I think this guy, his, he sold his seeds all over the place. He's got over 80 investments. He's got philanthropy. He's got, um, you know, private, public. He's got his family working for him. He's got all kinds of stuff. I think that is um, a model for people to aspire to if what they're trying to do is um, build something that is lasting. Like you mentioned, not just generational wealth, but generational impact. Yeah, man. That's great. And that's why I like being around Corny because he's so eloquent Stop with it. how he summarizes things and puts things together. That's my guy. That's my guy right there. But yo, um, this was absolutely amazing. If you guys like this type of a breakdown, hey, subscribe wherever you see a subscribe button, wherever you see a follow button, it's absolutely free. Leave us a review, five-star preferably, but tell us the truth. If you don't like it, don't, you don't like it. Just let us know. We want to be get, we want to get better every day with each episode. But without further ado, Courtney, do you have any other things you want to share with us? I don't know if there's anything left in the tank, but yo, know, if KD can do it, we could do like one, 1,000th of that. I feel like, you know, if you're great at one thing, just keep the main thing, the main thing. And eventually that success is going to give you chances to find other success. So just keep going hard. Absolutely. And that's it for us today. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.